Echoverse presents The Lesser Dead. Thursday night, Margaret's called a town meeting for all the family in the tunnels. There's about 16 of us, including Luna, the prostitute who hunts in the porno booths in Times Square, Billy Bang, the busker who sings like Sam Cooke, Chinchilla, who's kind of a punk, a boring old East European Svetko who likes to bite old ladies. Is this all of us? Luna, where's Sandy? Did I not tell you she's green and needs a watcher? I don't know where she is. She said she wanted to be alone. She'd follow me back later. And you just let her? I'm sorry, Margaret. I know I fucked up. I was tired. Oh, you were tired? She's a handful. You don't think I get tired? With a bunch of yous acting like Egypts? She's not gonna make it anyway. Oh, you backtalk me one more time tonight and we'll see if you make it. So you're telling me the Corazonists have a man missing and now we've lost the new girlene as well. I want her found. Where'd you last see her? Times Square. Chinchilla, you know Midtown. You look for her too, but separate so you cover more ground. All right, we're starting this thing. That's Margaret, our mayor. Really our chiefess. Mayor just sounds more like we all had a say in it, which we didn't. She's wearing her dirty pink Japanese bathrobe with little birds on it and her fungusy flip-flops so you can get a good look at her feet, which are ugly and full of veins. I mean, she's a handsome woman, but those feet... Maybe it's an Irish thing. Is there something fascinating about me feet, Mr. Paycock? No. Well, there is a blessing. Now look here. Missing Yorktown girl goes up in flames. But that's a good headline, isn't it? You can't really butter your fucking bread and turn to the crossword page just yet, can you? Let's crack on. Read it for us, Fetko. I'm too angry. Where my fucking finger is! Sorry. All right. Uh, Stephanie Larsen, four, who disappeared near Central Park in the early morning hours of February 15, exploded in a furious pillar of fire last night near Broom Street in Little Italy. Furious pillar of fire. That's grand. That's positively biblical. Now, Svetko, does the article say regarding that pillar of fire practically over our thick hunting heads. It does not. But it should! <laughs> At the edge of my vision, I see a vampire named Balducci roll his eyes. Balducci used to be an employee of a certain family of Italian entrepreneurs. Baldi got turned in Philly, then turned his buddy Dominic. The Sicilian guys they used to run with, for all their whacking people and busting legs and whatever, are all Catholic as hell. And nobody wanted anything to do with their creepy asses when they showed up again. You know how they say you're never out of the mob? These two, they're out of the mob. Shall I continue reading? By all means. Yeah. Tragically, Miss Larson is not the first child to go missing in Manhattan this year, although hers is the first alleged case of spontaneous human combustion since the immolation of Margaret Hogan in Dublin in 1970. Now that Hogan woman was a vampire too, mark my words. Did you know her? What? She's from Dublin, right? I'm not from the Pale, am I? And even if I were a Jackeen, Dublin isn't exactly a hamlet. I suppose you know every old gal sitting around Manhattan waiting to burst into flames. Svetko does. <laughs> Dominic and a couple others laugh, and she fixes Baldy with a stare that I hope he knows what it means. My point is that spontaneous human combustion is always a fucking vampire. 
when you're trying to keep a low profile as we are, getting vampire shite like this in the newspaper is the Olympic gold medal of incompetence. We don't peel people and leave their dead arses laying around. Not because we're sweethearts, but because we don't want attention. Any weirdness at all, anything that looks unnatural, especially in our own backyard, risks questions getting asked. And one thing I'll say for the breathers upstairs is they're getting better and better at answering questions. Now we've got the girl's father, dead with his eyes torn out to boot. A taxi driver in Chinatown, just the same. And the girl herself, a human fucking torch. We're going to find whoever's making all these messes and put his head so far from his arse that he'll need a bus ticket to comb his hair. <laughs> oh, funny is it not, Mr. Rang? But I am being funny when I say we're going to find this sloppy specimen and put an end to him before he brings the guards down into these tunnels with dogs and fire. Now, from what Mr. Paycock told me about the mysterious biter who gave the Chinatown Greek a backwards-facing head, he is trying to keep things hidden. But I have the uncomfortable feeling he's trying to hide them from us. We got it good here. The best we're ever going to have it. And as your mayor, I don't intend to let anyone, including Sandy or any of yous, ruin it for the rest of us. We're none of us taking our leisure till we find out who's peeling citizens and where our own stray lambs have gone. I don't see why Sandy not showing up for roll call is some kind of international crisis. So what, none of us get to take a night off or go out to Jersey? <laughs> Who the fuck wants to go to Jersey? My mother's in Jersey. Watch your fucking mouth, Jig. What the fuck did you just say to me? Before Billy can jump on Baldy, and he was about to, Margaret slaps Balducci so hard, his mother probably heard it in Jersey. And in practically the same motion, she shoulders Billy and knocks him on his ass before he can kill Balducci, which it looks like he was ready to do. Dominic moves between Margaret and Baldy real aggressively. He shouldn't have. Remember, she's still holding that shovel. Baldy tries to cut left, but she sweeps his legs out from under him. Margaret now moves the shovel from whatever is left of his sack up to his neck and leans on it. As leader of this little tribe, I cannot brook division. And there is nothing so divisive nor so toxic as racial bigotry. If I hear you use another racial slur on one of your family in earnest again, that'll be the end of you. Do you understand? Hard to talk. I'll just take a little weight off your neck. Now, do you understand? Yes, 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 you crazy... You take the Lord's name in vain at your peril, Mr. Balducci. Great are his instruments, and we are tokens of his wrath. Joseph Paycock, you'll go with Svetko tonight. No more grab arse with your Puerto Rican till whoever turned these little chiselers is found. You hear me? Yeah. Well, I'm glad we've all had this talk, aren't you? Pair up, fan out, and find out. And if you can't handle it, Pack up and get out. I'm in the mood to cut turf this week, but if I can't cut off a dangerous head, faith, and I'll take a useless one. I am done talking now. And off she walks into the darkness, dragging her shovel behind her so it makes the occasional spark. 
Ruth and old boy follow behind her like thing one and thing two. Quiet. So quiet. So we pair up and I get stuck with Svetko. To find the creep-turning kids. Should probably try to find the kids. We're on the six train, where I first saw those little shits. Just riding up and down, looking. The guys with magic markers really fucked this car up with all their shitty graffiti. What else have they got to do? He's just reading National Geographic. They point up at one of the black graffiti squiggles and nudge his shoulder. Hey, who do you think Mac Pussy Lips is? <clears throat> uh, Maximilian, or Mac Pussy Lips, was a 19th century Bavarian king who roamed the streets of Munich playing a drum all hours of the night, reciting German poetry out the window of his tower at the highest part of his castle. Is that true? Of course not. Am I supposed to know some graffiti vandal? So you just made all that up? Uh, I improvised. Why? Well, did it entertain you? Yeah, I guess. So, you know, this is what people used to do with their free time. What? Lie? <laughs> A mundane lie hiding an exotic truth is deception. An exotic lie hiding a mundane truth is storytelling. Deception may be necessary to preserve life, but storytelling makes life worth living. So, make my life worth living. You want me to lie to you? Lie, tell the truth, I don't care. Just talk to me, entertain me. Tell me, for example, what, what is your favorite place in the city? And, 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 and tell it in such a way that you make me want to go there. That's easy. Studio 54. Ah. <laughs> yeah. you, you do know that he is perhaps the most dangerous vampire on the island. And he doesn't like other vampires near his operations. Fuck that guy, you don't scare me. Yes, he does. And he should. Well, fuck it. It's not enough. We can't go anywhere at all while the sun's out. We gotta have places we can't go at night, too. Especially a good place like that. Anyway, they look the other way as long as you don't hunt. Do you, do you hunt there? What am I? A schmuck? Ah, so you hunt. It is clear that the thrill of forbidden fruit is part of your attraction. You like to go to the enemy's castle. Tell me what else you enjoy about this Studio 54. It's full of great ass, and they got an actual fuck room in the basement. Well, what's not to like? Yeah, you're lucky enough to be an immoral, eternal adolescent who finds himself in a modern-day metropolis with a pleasure palace worthy of ancient Rome in it. And this is all you have to say? What do you want from me? Very well. In your vernacular, so you understand me? Tell me about Studio 54 and don't be so fucking boring. Well, why didn't you say so? The first thing about Studio 54 is getting in. It ain't that easy, especially if you look bridge and tunnel. You know, like some schmuck from Jersey or the Outer Boroughs, trying to be cool. Go down to like 13th Street. There's this little tyrant, one of the owners, one of the public owners, I mean. He looks like a melted Paul Simon. And he says who gets in and who doesn't. No, I said not you. Next time, lose the hat. Nobody looks cool in a hat. Unless you do. And you don't. So get at it. Of course, it helps to be famous. Yes, you. I already told you. Grace Jones. Hey, Grace. Grace, Grace, sweetheart. Come on. You look wonderful. 
It also helps to be a vampire. Anything they want. Oh, 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 hold on there. Who the hell are you? I'm with Grace Jones. I'm her rabbi. Oh, well, come on in. But once you're in, you're in. Imagine it's Fitz. You see some lady, and you think you might recognize her from the last King Kong movie they made. Yeah, I don't watch monkey movies. Yeah, don't see it. It's mostly garbage. But the lady starring in it? She's going places. Foxy, but smart. Dirty blonde hair. Well, there she is in a little black dress, dancing like... Well, like a fox. So you get a little closer. You're just about to make your move. Wait, is this for mating or feeding? Or both? I'm not sure yet, which is why I don't go turning on the charm. You don't want to ball somebody you just hypnotized. It's like slipping him a Mickey. It's, you know, wrong. I, I am pleasantly surprised by the ethical distinction you have made here. Yeah. Well, you get closer to her. And you drop your big line. Hi. But she's not having any. She just discos away. All right, she's not your type anyway. So, you're just gonna bite her. But you gotta be careful about it because you're not supposed to do that here. Maybe get her up to the balcony where people are doing whatever. So you sort of boogie back in her line of vision and she gives you an eye roll. But when her eyes look back down, you got her. You start dancing with her. You're about to move her towards the stairs when... Ah! Excuse you, lady! Jesus. <laughs> lady Jesus. I like that. I think that's my name tonight. Why don't you just watch where you're going? Shut up and dance. She's tall but built. Bright blue eyes. She's got this bob haircut like she's a flapper or Egyptian or something. And she's putting down some funky moves. Real forceful like. She kind of dances you backwards across the floor, right into the wall. You like the rough stuff, huh? <laughs> you have no idea. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> what do you think? That's, that's a good question. <laughs> Cause you're real close now and I- She grins and lets her charm down a little. So you see her fangs. Holy shit. That's right. You're not a... You're a fan. That's right, too. Now stop talking and listen. Jessica wouldn't give you the time of day unless you charmed her, and I am not having that. Not in here. So I need you to take your little dirt circus act right out the door. The back door. Tell me that you understand. Look, lady. Mister. What are you, anyway? Whatever I want to be, darling. And you can be too, just not in here. <laughs> you should know better. That's when I see the Hessian up in the balcony holding court. Big as life, even in a glimpse, even in shadow. He nods his head, and that's when Lady Jesus frog marches me up the stairs. Move it, mister. Past the tight ass busboys in their short shorts. Past one of the Charlie's Angels, putting more blow up her nose than you could fit in a soup ladle. And there I am in front of him, the Hessian. And just for now, know that he's fucking big. 
and he looks at you like a bug he could squash, which you are, and he could. He squashed things that got in his way before. You know, Joseph, the civilized world is built on understandings. If you walk when the light is green, the bus agrees not to hit you. If you want to own a dog in the city, you must clean up its shit. Though, this is a bad example because nobody does this. But at least there is a law now. It is just not enforced. Unless your dog shits in front of the police station, then it will be enforced. I don't actually like enforcing dog shit laws. It's tedious, but without it, uh, you have a mess. You understand me? Yeah? Well, they, well, they, so, so then what happened? I apologized, and they let me go. But what happened between your apology and your departure? How do you always know this shit? It's creepy. You understand me? Yeah? Yeah. I understand. I, I'm... I'm sorry, it's just... You have a place like this, it's the most fun place in the city. You gotta let people in. I gotta. Do I? Yeah, you can't just, you know, take everything and sit on it like some old dragon. I don't mean any disrespect. Mr. Peacock, your presence here is a form of disrespect. But one that I was willing to tolerate. In case you fail to notice, nobody was stopping you from coming in here. Despite my understanding with Miss McManus about territories, we would have pretended not to see you if you were just here to dance and fuck. But you are hunting in my club. And that is verboten. Are you going to kill me? What do you think? I don't think you should kill him. Thanks, Lady Jesus. Lady Jesus? Ha! I like this. And you've given me an idea about what happens next. Yeah, this will be exact. The heft glamour. And if you yell, it will happen twice. Don't yell, he says. Not so easy not to yell when a big fang drag bitch is biting through your hand. And I mean through the bones and everything. But I didn't take it personally. I, mean, I hate the guy, but I weirdly respect the narcissistic murdering asshole too. I fucked up. Whatever. I'll go back. If they, you know, let me. Uh, at least your story, however dismal and off-putting, was not boring. Speco, little kids just got on. Yeah. You see them? Oh yeah. No, I guess not. Who's this schmuck with them? Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. I'm Samvel Artinian, and this is my son David, who is a musical prodigy. We are saving up to send him to music school. He would like to play a song for you, while my little daughter Miriam gratefully accepts any tip you wish to give her. Gypsies? Armenians. I can't really explain what happens to me when the kid starts playing. I 
feel the whole world I've been missing for 40-some years come in all at once. All full of food and spices and colors and love. The kind that isn't just a hard-on and a hole. And sunshine that doesn't hurt but feels good. That's what this music feels like. It's sunshine on your face through the kitchen window. It's like a hand, like God's hand or something. Just for a minute, I remember. You want taste of your birth? That's Vilma, the first cook in our house when I was a kid. Hungarian. I loved Vilma. You could even say I was in love with her. You know, like in a kid way. I still miss Vilma. I was her Joey Bird, and I was never that for anyone else again. Mm. What is it? First you say you like it, after I tell you what. So you don't like to Vilma. Mm. I like it a lot. Can I have some more? It's palacinta with tura, a kind of cheese. Hot damn. <gasps> I put sweet in mouth, out comes sour. <laughs> then, it's over. The train's slowing down. The man starts doing the hat line. Thank you very much. I hand the girl a dollar, and she takes it from me like she's taking it from the jaws of an animal. She won't look me in the eye. I think she knows. Sometimes they know. We pull into Bleecker. The Armenian family leaves. New people get on. New York. One minute beautiful, one minute ugly as fuck. I decide to go to Central Park on my own, without Svetko. He puts up a little bit of a fuss, says he should go with me, but I want to be alone. And he gets that. Sometimes, I just need to be alone. Central Park at night, 1978. A place Evil Knievel wouldn't jump his motorcycle over in a stunt. I love it, but then I'm usually one of the worst things in it. I'm pretty hungry, but there's not likely to be any clean blood here. That's okay. Eating's not everything. The park's actually beautiful at night in the winter. I still got a little feeling of enchantment from that kid playing violin on the train. So I notice stuff like a half moon playing peekaboo behind the clouds, lighting up the snow in the sheep meadow. I walk practically the whole park before I see anybody biteable. And this guy? He's beautiful. Good evening. Evening, officer. Black guy, mid-thirties, a bachelor. You can tell because his mustache is lopsided, a wife would have made him even that shit out. He smells like brute aftershave and papaya king. What you doing out in the park this late? You know this isn't a place for good boys and girls, right? I, uh, couldn't sleep. I haven't eaten in a while. Well, I know a place where they'll give you a hot in the cot if you're clean. You clean? Uh, has a whistle, officer. I, um, I, um... Uh... Oh. And that's when I make with the fainting spell. Shit! Hey, 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 kid! You all right? He rushes over like a good protecting server, kneels down, 
puts his hands behind my head. I flutter my eyelids open like a damsel about to behold her knight, then look him in the eyes. Said, lean closer. Put your neck by my mouth. Like this. Get the fuck off of me! Stand your ass up. You didn't faint. It's too late and cold for this shit. Don't let me catch you messing around the ramble. I'll run you in for public indecency. You got me? Um, yes. Uh, yes. Now scram. Well, that blew. That, by the way, is what I call a hard case. No matter how good you are at charming, and I'm pretty damn good, some people just don't charm. Psychics, new mothers, Buddhist monks, forget it. And weirdly, sometimes, just sometimes, cops. I'd kind of wanted to end up by the Delacorte Theater, which is good hunting in Shakespeare in the Park season, but it's deserted now. So I make for the dripping forest of bare sticks and shadows that is the rambling winter. It's like I'm walking somewhere my feet know to go, but they're not telling me. And that's when I see the light, like a beacon, flicking on and off in the trees. On and off, on and off, a winter firefly. My feet follow my eyes. The Ramble is definitely not a place for a regular citizen after dark. As I round the clearing, I see a pair of really scrawny dudes. They see me too. One gets up from where he'd been squatting, in the shelter of some branches hung with garbage bags. The magic light I had seen was where he'd been burning the edges of a plastic orange frisbee with a lighter. Don't ask me why. Doesn't look like he knows himself. <laughs> hey, little man. Hi. He's fanning himself with the smoking, plastic, stinking, fucked up frisbee. Then his friend who's creeping up on me too gets a better look at me. Hey, oh, hold up, buddy. He's, he's one of them. I said hold up. I, I mean, uh, I wasn't gonna do nothing. So what, you were gonna invite me to play frisbee? Go, get out, get out of here, man. Going back to the castle now. You don't want us. <laughs> we're dirty. Even as he said that, I felt the crunch of a syringe under my feet. When he said dirty, he was talking about his blood. As in, I wouldn't want junky blood. As in, he knew what I was. Hold on, there's more of us at the castle? Belvedere Castle, more like me. I, I don't know nothing about nothing. But at the castle? Some nights, the castle's gone red. I got nothing to do with that place. He's got a hand holding something in the pocket of his shitty jacket. I don't think he's really packing, but I'm not in the mood to get shot. It hurts. Shot in the head will scramble your brains for a minute. Anyway, I head towards the castle. I walk up the steps to the Belvedere, a 19th century make-believe castle right out of a fairy tale. The fairy tale ran out of money though. The windows are boarded up with plywood and all the stonework and doors have sprouted graffiti. I need to stay focused. I smell blood. I feel nervous. I mean, what I'm looking for is an unknown, you know? The only times I'd met other vampires, they were pretty much like me. 
But Svetko thinks there might be other kinds. Vampires that fly. Vampires that are really insects. Who knows? Flying vampires sounded pretty dopey, but I still look up into the sky. Just in time to get rain in my eye. It's starting to rain, and cold rain too. Great. I take off my shoes and socks and skinny up the side of the building. I know the round window at the top just looks in on weather equipment. This is where they take the temperature readings for the city. So I aim for a busted in slot window below. Too small for a person to fit through. But I'm not a person anymore. Now I'm about to do one of the best things family can do. All that shit about vampires turning into bats or smoke or whatever, I don't know about all that. But everybody I know can get small. See, that's how you get through anything bigger than a mail slot. You gotta squish your skull, dislocate your joints, mash your pelvic bones flat, then build it all again on the other side. It hurts like a bitch and your outfit gets fucked up, but it feels weirdly good when you get put back together again. I'm going quiet. So quiet feeling about what I'm about to see. I want to bail, but the only thing I'm more scared of than meeting some freaky pedophile vampire carnival is Margaret. I can't go back home without telling her what I find here, which means I gotta find something. Then I hear it. Someone else is in here, but it isn't one of us. He's breathing. I decide to take the rest of the stairway on the ceiling. Gravity isn't real harsh to us. It's got, like, loopholes. So up I go, like a spider, belly against cold stone. I take it slow, and when I get to the second floor, I see him. A man, stripped to the waist, bloody to the waist, tied to a metal folding chair and gagged with a knotted bandana. Barely conscious, heavily charmed, dying. His stuff is all around him like he exploded. Keys, a wallet, a corduroy jacket. Driver's license says Gary something or other. His head nods. He can't keep it up. His throat is a mess of gouged meat. Somebody worked his thighs and wrists over too. Blood on the floor, but not pooled, like little dabs or something. Whatever blood fell there was lapped up. And then I see them, bloody footprints, bare feet made them, and on the wall, a handprint. There's something funny about them. This poor fucker. I crawl closer, sideways on the wall now. His foot twitches and sends a can of grape Fanta rolling. Family doesn't drink soda. I see other cans. A Burger King wrapper. Somebody's trying to keep this guy alive. I get off the wall, creep closer. I loosen the knot of the bandana in his mouth so he can maybe breathe a little. Gary, hey, Gary. His eyelids flutter. 
He looks at me. White guy, kind of funky. Crane goatee. I pour a little charm into a harmless lie. You're okay. You're gonna be okay. Who did this to you? You. Me? You. You're one too, right? I'm... I'm sorry. You're not... so bad. Don't mean it. I can't help it. Say, Gary, you wouldn't know how many of us there are, would you? You ever count? Nobody's... feeding. Sure looks like someone's feeding. No. My bird. Gonzalo. Bird, huh? What kind of bird you got? Pretty. He shivers hard now. Coke. There's a Pepsi can. Let me see if there's something in it. No. Gold. Gold. Coat. That's what he said the first time. Poor bastards in shock. And it's February after all. I'm looking around, I see a crumpled coat. As I'm reaching for it, he kind of groans again. Okay, okay, okay. You're okay. Right here. But weirdly, the coat doesn't budge when I pull on it. I look back around at it and see why. There's a little bare foot standing on it, attached to a leg, attached to a kid. Little boy, about eight, pale, dead, cold, colder than me. That's when I realized what was wrong with the bloody hand and footprints. They're child-sized. Have you come to play? Episode 3, Castle Gone Red. The Lesser Dead was performed by Jack Kilmer as Joey Peacock. Minnie Driver as Margaret McManus. Danny Houston as The Hessian. Saul Rubinek as Fetko. Directed by Dan Blank. Written by Christopher Buhlman. Series created by Christopher Buhlman, based on his book, The Lesser Dead. Executive producers, Mark Stern, Joshua D. Mauer, Christopher Buhlman, Minnie Driver, and Jack Kilmer. Producer, Alexandra Whitlin. Original audio production, music, and sound design by Salt. Producer, Ali Strobel. Original music and composition by Benjamin Sterling. Sound design by Christopher Bonas.